Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Good morning and welcome to 3CR's Spoken Word. My name is Ella Fanelska and thanks for your company. Uh, my guest in the studio today is Carmen Main. When I think about Carmen doing her poetess thing, a few words spring to mind immediately. Um, honest, fierce, a truth-sayer, fragile, vulnerable, heartbreaking, yes, music-rich, contemporary, current and brave. Carmen, thank you so much for joining us today. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me, Ella. Can you start us off straight away with a poem? I'd love you to read Wild Thing. Wild Thing. Sometimes the spaces we place in language mean little more than keep out, stay away. I'm not vulnerable, I'm impenetrable, and I'm fucking angry! Don't try and stop me, speak down to me, reason with me. Would you really reason with a lion or leopard? I mean, spots are in season again, but seriously, I have these teeth for a reason, and surgical precision is not what I'm known for. What colour are your entrails? If all else fails, we could find out together. I can show you mine. Been doing it on stages for ages and your faces merge into one behind tree branches of audiences and the spotlight somehow stops me from feeling stage fright but I'm quick to get amnesia and I'm falling for the poacher. He has such succinct syntax. He knows all the right words, even puts me off my prowl. Should be old enough to see it coming or coming or whatever it is. What do you call these? One night relationships when endangered is desirable. The wilderness and proper hiding places seem more sparse than my main is. It's stress, it's stress, it's stress. Try resting for a while. Pick a bow for sleep. Stop answering the dead questions. They don't even care about the words, the words, the words. We all know it's your pelt thereafter. Mm, see what I mean? Thank you, Carmen. Awesome. That's okay. Um, now, when I have my guests, uh, before they come into the studio, I ask them to send me their poems and Carmen was so, so sweet in the way that we arranged this. She took photos of handwritten poems. So this leads on to my first question about hitting the keys or going longhand when you first construct a poem. Can you talk to us about why you obviously generally go longhand? No problem. Um, I think the main reason I pick to write out my poetry is because it's how I practice. It's how I practiced when I was a kid writing. It just feels most natural to me. And I have an aversion, not to technology as such, but I really associate laptops and computers and typing with work. And for me, writing is joyful. It's, a, it's something I take great pleasure in. And as soon as I open a computer and hear that like computer noise, something in me goes, oh, and I don't want to be involved. So that's why I, I pretty much, to my own detriment in some aspects, just refuse to type out my poetry. Um, in order to get things online or on my Facebook page or whatever, I actually type them on my phone rather than type them on a computer. I'm okay to do it on the phone, but yeah, I just can't get around to typing it on a laptop. That's so interesting. So it's like the computer just has a whole let's shut down the poetry brain. Absolutely. 
Yep. Yeah. Now with the phone, like when you first have ideas, um, do you generally prefer to go to paper and pen or the phone? Uh, that's that's changed over the last couple of years. Um, when I first started writing a lot um, in my early 20s, it was always paper. There wasn't the phone involved at all to the point where I often get ideas for writing in the car. So I would pull over and start jotting down ideas and I would always be late to things for that very reason. Um, but these days now with technology being so um, pervasive in in everything, um, sometimes I actually, if I have an idea, I'll just hit record mm. and speak the idea into the voice recorder part of my phone and then then I'll get home and listen to it back and maybe try to get something out of it. But most of the time, if I don't get to start a piece when I'm feeling that inspiration, it it doesn't eventuate or it goes somewhere completely different. Carmen will now read her poem, Dark Water. There is deep, dark water between us, a resonance of something rippling on the surface, a sure-footed bug, a stubborn duck, a skimming stone before the plunk. Our open, closed fish mouths are sending speedy messages through the currents, but water garbles what we say into bubbles. It is confusing. Knowing the intent behind your actions and knowing that intent is only love and knowing the meanings missed come swift through deep water is sometimes not enough. And I don't know if you can see my signals or hear my bubbled calls back. The water is real and cold here, so afraid I'm not making any sense. But... Instead of analysis, I'll starve myself wise on a diet of dried fish till I wake with your name on my lips, with your milk teeth in my mouth, till I wake dropping words like gifts, the right things to tell you. Can you tell us a little bit about this piece? Sure. Um, I wrote Dark Water back in about 2006 or 2007. It was around the time I first started writing a lot of poetry. Um, I actually, most of my writing in my early teens and, early, and and all through my teens and 20s was more around short fiction. And um, it wasn't until I moved into a share house and was having a really bad relationship breakup and I pinched some books off the... Um, the like communal shelf and one of them was Imagist Poetry. The other one was Sylvia Plath's Ariel. And I pretty much was actually physically sick too. I had a really bad flu and I locked myself in my room for about a week because I was sick and just started writing what ended up being a lot of the poetry that I first performed when I started on the scene. Um, and Dark Water came out of not that particular writing session but a short time after that. Yeah. Cool. Um, mm. Now, I know that you had a little bit of a break from the scene, yeah. as I did. Um, can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. I kind of, um, I started performing, yeah, in about 2007 and in 2008 I was part of um, a showcase at the Dan for New Poets that um, the convener at the time, Cam Black, put on, which was really great. Um and I had some success in terms of being involved in the um, Overload Poetry Festival for a couple of years. Oh, and Overload. Yeah, bring it back. Bring please. it back. I did a collaborative thing with Steve Smart and I think that was the last thing that I did before deciding I need a bit of a break. And I guess the main reason I had a break was because 
I wasn't producing anything new. It felt like I was just recycling the same poems and um, not getting anything new out of the scene, so needing to take a bit of a step back. And to be honest, there were other work demands and life demands and, yeah, but all of that impacted on the on the writing and I felt like it's a little disingenuous to be so involved in the scene but not necessarily be putting anything out there for anyone else. I mean, I, I went to gigs occasionally in the big space between coming back on the scene in 2015, but aside from going to a few gigs, I really stepped out for a while. Mm, yeah, that's a really interesting point that you're making about... Um, like I, I, I want to talk to you about a sense of community and mm. like if you're exactly like either only producing and sharing and not listening to anyone else or the other way around, um, there's not that equality. Yeah, that mm. was part of it. And also I guess I sensed some pressure and mostly it was from myself to continue producing new things and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't sustainable. It wasn't sustainable to have that pressure on myself. So, I, yeah, I decided to take a break. And now you're back in full force. And now I'm back, yes. <laughs> Carmen will now read a piece called An Unusual Work. As I left the Unusual Works launch, I turned at the wrong place, wanted to enter the dining room, sit down a minute, catch myself, rearrange my belongings at a table, but instead walked directly into a pane of glass, hit myself hard square in the middle of my forehead. Seated next to me as I did this, a child with his father. They were exchanging words over smartphones. I sat down next to them. The man asked if I was okay. I was. I'm thick-skulled. Very embarrassed, I say. But I don't use those words. I say increasingly awkwardly that I didn't see the glass, didn't realise I couldn't walk through, thought perhaps I'd dissolve... I often feel invisible. I wondered how likely a concussion would be or perhaps I'd develop an overnight brain hemorrhage and it's a worry I live alone, alone, alone with no one to check in on me and I have to get myself home, home, home to get ready for work in the morning. This is just the sort of thing I'd overshare on social media now that I have no mother around, but I stop myself, I stop myself, I stop myself from hitting refresh, refresh, refresh again, again, again. I guess I could call her. I've tried that before, though I know she lives between the two bricks of her parents' dead ashes. She has no ears anymore. A little sprinkle of her lies left over in my sister's cupboard. I come from a long line of hoarders. Yes, I called her, dialed her number in the bathroom of a karaoke bar at my sister's birthday party. I wanted to talk, to tell her off for not making an effort to drop in or to give her a present, and it was just my birthday too. I was now her age when she had given birth to me, and I thought that would mean something, so why not call her? I found out that Telstra did not share my sentiments, and given my mother is dead, 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 she is dead, 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 they sold her number to a younger woman, one who is still here. Her voicemail voice was proper and cold, and I thanked you, mother, for making sure she was asleep and didn't answer me, because that would have been too much. Moments after, she texted me angrily, Who is this? Don't call, it's 2am. Explain yourself. So I did as much as you can in 140 characters, that she had purchased my mother's mobile number. Mum had had it for as long as I could remember. 
and I was drunk and grieving, wondering if I could expect a belated birthday present, so I suspended my disbelief and called, knowing she was dead, but hoping to hear her all the same. I have a storage container full of her. I wear some of her clothes. I know if the light is right, I can look a little like her. When my auntie visits, which happens rarely, I hear a version of her. But that night I needed to hear the real thing, and I'm sorry. I didn't mean to scare you. Didn't know you had a baby. I could have woken. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I worry about my head, about concussion. Mum might have known what to do. Thank you for sharing that. That's um, okay. That's the first poem of yours that I heard performed that uh, really gave me all the goosebumpy feelings and the funny feeling in the throat. Not the feelings. <laughs> the feels. Thank you. I do appreciate that. Thank you. I'd like to hear a little bit about the process of writing that one. Um, so the process for that particular piece is actually quite typical of a lot of the pieces that I write. Um I reference the unusual works launch and everything that happened in that piece literally happened. So immediately after I went to my car and put on the radio and was just like, I have to write something. And it just came out in one long continual piece, no editing. Um, yeah. Like a kind of stream of consciousness? Almost like a stream of consciousness. Yeah. I kind of didn't want to say that because it's a little bit um, of a loaded statement sure. these days, but really that's what it is. It was just me recording exactly how I felt in the moment. And I happen to sometimes think in that way that other people deem to be poetic. So yeah, kind of, kind of works. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. But in terms of my regular process, most of the times that I write, I'm compelled to write. I have to write in that moment. It's not so much that I make time for it day to day. I don't sit down for an hour at the end of the day or anything like that. Um, I, When I need to write, I need to write and I generally get a piece out pretty quickly and if it needs editing, I'll edit it afterwards after I've given it some space. But, um, yeah, generally they come out pretty much how they are. It's me. 
Dear PJ, Dear Polly Jean, Tell me about Nick. Tell me about the lines and lies that stick in your mind, like distance and kissing. I like to think that we're alike, although you're a much better singer, that you never intended for the well of deep love to serenade you to an edge. I guess it was the 90s. You in all black, dramatic. Him in all black, heroin chic. I'm told it always comes down to timing and 4-4 can be addictive. From the outside, it seems your courtship dance was respectful, mutual, but that was a long time ago, his children now stolen from cliff edges or paraded on catwalks and photo shoots. Where do you fit in these days? Are you still friends? These things often boil down to timing. Are you over him? I'm asking because there's a lesson in every one of your songs that skip unexpectedly because I listen too hard, live too fast. Uh Uh-huh. Interviews suggest you've always stood on two feet, rejected the lazy thought of a female demon tortured artist, that your lyrics are literal. I respect that. I sometimes take chances to write outside of boxes. People expect to understand everything instantly, with their lazy eyes glazed shut and their mouths wide open. Maybe you've struck a balance I could learn from. There's not a lot of difference between poetry and songs. You're listening to 3CR's Spoken Word. My name is Ella Fanelska and my guest in the studio today is Carmen Main. And you just heard her piece, Dear PJ. And before that, you heard PJ Harvey herself singing Come On Billy. Carmen, tell me about PJ. What is the fascination? Oh, so many things. She's just a very powerful female artist and uses her femininity for good and is very honest and raw and I admire that and in terms of her musicianship she's always followed her own um followed her own inspiration I guess danced to the beat of her own drum to to fall into patterns of cliche (laughs) um yeah I just really admire her I guess and in terms of my writing process 
music is a huge part in how I write and why I write. Particularly when I first started writing, um, pretty much every poem was titled after the song I was listening to while I was writing the poem to the point where other people were like, you've got to kind of stop doing that. It's it's not it's not a cool thing. I'm like, it's a cool thing. It's it's how I write. That's one of the things I love about your poetry, actually, Yeah, is the, the link with music because I think there is a very close relationship to poetry and music. Um, but I, I also think there's an important difference. Um, so, like, going back to PJ, she's a poet in her own right. She's not just, oh, yeah, I write poetry, my lyrics are poetry. She's actually, you know, those two things and um, se- separately. Um, but I think I love the music references in your poetry. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's a massive part of who I who I am as a person, I think. And, yeah, definitely both aspects are separate, but they talk to each other. That's a really nice way of putting it, actually. Yeah, mm. they talk to each other. So true. Carmen will now share her piece called Dinner Service. Be the kind of person who can take themselves on a date. Dare to be solo when everyone else is family tied down to the booths and bar stools. Pick a loud restaurant. Busy. They may seat you near the door or suggest you order takeaway. Sit down anyway. Make your presence felt, because feeling is reserved for all. Ask to see the wine list. Ask for the dessert menu first. Be polite, but not apologetic. You deserve a table to yourself. Consider the conversations you once knew as awkward turn inward. Really ponder on you. Take the time to enjoy the scent emanating from the kitchen. You need not be restrained by niceties or expectations. Expect only the best for yourself. If you hear voices that insist you split the bill, ignore them. They have nothing worth hearing to add. You need not watch the clock or fiddle with your side plate or serviette. Have confidence. You've got this. Remember, things have changed since you were last on the market or in the game. Dates expect a follow-up text an hour after dinner. Dates expect to know where they stand. Don't give in to convention. Do what you want. Eat it all up. Respond when you feel full and have something to say. I love the power in that piece, Carmen. Thank you. Um, I'm going to ask you the ultimate question about power, power and poetry. So... Um, what does that mean for you? What, what is the power of poetry for you? Um, the power of poetry for me is a means of expression, I guess, and a means of expression that is authentic and um, it, it's solely determined by me. It doesn't have to be fitting into anybody else's ideas of what it should be. I think poetry is also, for me, um, very cathartic, I am able to process how I feel about the world and things that have happened in a way that is um, tangible and I get something out of it as well. Like I get a little poem or a big poem or or, or just a, a mess of words a lot of the time, but something happens and I think in that I'm transformed some way. Um, yeah, it's not always an easy process and I don't always like what comes out at the end. I often don't, but... When I do, it's worth all the times that I don't. 
When you write a poem about a particular situation, do you find that it gives you the ability to relate to the situation differently? Sometimes poetry gives me perspective, yeah, definitely. Um, Particularly if I'm choosing to write from someone else's perspective, I don't do that very often. I don't do that very often, but when I do, that's quite powerful. Um, I guess, I guess, yeah, mostly it's about me making sense of the world from my perspective and sometimes looking at from other points of view too. You raised a really interesting point there, which I want to pick up about writing from another person's perspective. I've had quite a few discussions with poet friends about this, about whether we even have a right to write from another person's perspective. What's your kind of take on that? I think it's sometimes shaky ground. There's certainly ways that it can be done that are very um, exploitative. And I think really what is most important perhaps then is your intention. Is your intention exploration, wanting to find out new things, um, actually being open? Or is your intention, I want to get something out of this. I want to get some of this credit. I want to get some of this, you know, cool something or other that you have and I'm going to steal from you to be able to do that that that's not my cup of tea I'm not I'm not into that at all but I feel that if you're writing from someone else's perspective and it's researched and open then and your intention is good then I don't have a problem with it as such Carmen will read one final piece for us today and it is brand new and it's called Wrong I've done so many things wrong. Internal information, lying to nerve endings, tips, slip up, erroneous. On the escalator, dragging down to the underground concrete jungle, I smell the wet of fresh showers, perceive redemption as palpable, non-transitory, a possibility for me. If I'm a page of a story, then who is the pen? Is it you, or was it him? Is instant message a better metaphor these days? If I were more literal, I'd best guess you as a sequel. Familiar but foreign, a known pattern, I thought the crows had eaten all the breadcrumbs for, but more beautiful. I fumble at keys to get me into a well-worn black steed. I'm neither heroic or helpless, Perhaps hapless is a fair comment. He was stubbornly silent on the subject. Still, I feel that below the surface there's a forest, and maybe answers are like moss, grow slow in accordance with a compass. I coax kickstarts again. Winning! How long can I ride this out for? I am under a spell of sorts, contortionist on cue. You are dark magic. Forbidden, foreboding, problematic. I keep emptying myself and still he is in here. I haven't thrown him out. I think I want to. There are rain clouds. The olfactory is linked to memory and you smell clean, like redemption. Maybe I can. My guest in the studio today has been Carmen Main. If you've liked what you've heard, you can actually see her performing um, on October the 29th at the Dan O'Connell Hotel, which indeed has poetry readings every Saturday. 
um, and then you'll be able to catch her live. Uh, poetry kicks off um, at around 2.30, but the afternoon starts at 2, so I would strongly encourage you to get down to that. I'd like to thank Carmen Main for joining me in the studio today. Thank you so much for having me, Ella. It's been really fun. I've enjoyed today. Thank you. I have enjoyed it thoroughly too. Uh, We are on the air every Thursday at 9am, so please join us then. And I look forward to your company next month.